You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 341 and 342 of Fed by Ravens. We are glad you're with us today as we engage the story of God in its entirety, chapter by chapter, in 2018. We're doing it. Wow. We are in December, and we are getting close. Wow. wow. But the story is getting pretty intense. Let's get into it as we engage. We will cover three books today. Can you believe it? Let's get to it. Our Old Testament reading for today is Zechariah chapter 1 through chapter 8. That's right. No verses, just chapters. Zechariah, friend of Haggai. Yeah. A little more of, well, so he gets straight up visions Mm -hmm. delivered and explained and spoken to by angels. Yes. So Zechariah, just to catch everyone up, to remind you, this is um, prior to... Is it, it's prior to the the second temple being built, or is it after the, the temple? No, no, no. Built? So it's it's before the second temple's been built. There, it, it's at the same time that he's doing the same thing Haggai is doing. Right. He's trying to encourage, okay, like good. the Lord is using him and Haggai to encourage the people to build the temple to remind them why they're that why they've returned, why the Lord's allowed them to return, and that the Lord is with them. So what's cool is you're going to see, uh, you can't get more humble to the beginning and founding of a nation than this, right? Like a humble beginning. So he's engaging people who are humble beginning and they're starting to understand we're expecting a humble king for the greatest kingdom to ever conquer the whole earth, a kingdom whose boundaries will have no end and will be wholly consecrated to God. So you have like this big hope, but the reality of the situation is man, we're just trying to survive and our old temple is in ruins and we're not exactly coming back in glory, conquering the nation that conquered us. We were released and given a land that no one cared about anymore. Yes, and then now that we're back here, there's a lot of people around us that really don't want us to be here. What? You mean there's people who are against the people of God? Mm -hmm. Weird. And there's also a lot of grumbling and a lot of uh, hopelessness to the task. So. Uh Yes. Sorry. I say for the people they're yeah. going, look, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's good enough we're out of exile. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just call it a day and, and make do with our ruins. Yes. And I do want to also point out uh Zechariah is a priest. Mm-hmm. Um so nice. he's and, within the priestly line and uh so he's having these uh visions from the Lord. And God is sending these prophets to give we'll get there, but testimony. Because he doesn't want you to settle in to what you think is good enough. Right. You are the people of the Lord. So we got so much. We're going to have to give. We're just giving highlights. But let me just tell you on a side note. All the imagery here is so beautiful and worth looking into because it connects to. This is apocalyptic literature, which means it's usually delivered by an angel. Mm-hmm. Through and, visions. Through visions and explained by angelic kind of guides. It's a very highly potent thing of God. And so um, I think it, it dovetails tremendously with how Revelation is written. And in fact, many of the same signs are brought up in Revelation. So when we get there mm-hmm. in a couple weeks... Uh, no, uh, next couple, episode. We're in Revelation next episode? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> the, years, the years really go fast with the older you get. 
Um, so let's get to it. So he starts off, return to the Lord. Like, don't give up. Keep returning, and I will return to you. Yes. Um, and then we have a, a vision of a horseman. So he, this first vision, he sees uh, an angelic rider on a red horse, followed by more angelic riders on white horses, surrounded by, and they're riding through uh, myrtle trees. And he's like, kind of like, what is going on here? And so there's an angel that's provided that will walk him through all of these visions and tell yeah. him what's going on. And the like, just quick punchline is, these are God's forces which are patrolling the earth. And right now, they're, they're at rest. Right now, they're just Perfect. they're looking around. They're like, all right, everything seems clear on all fronts. Oh, and as we get into all these visions, the purpose of this... That's what I forgot to say. And yes. of Revelation is that God is guiding all events yes. of the world for good. You have angels who are watching over you, defending you. You have Christ, as we know, who is interceding for you. Anyway, the point of all this is not to now it's up to you to figure out the future, or, but it's to encourage you in the midst of political corruption yes. and apparent hopelessness for all nations and for the world. Yes, so okay. these so first, now, I, I think, th so what's going to happen in these first two visions, and the reason they're there, is it's uh, God telling uh, Zechariah and the people that are in Jerusalem saying, I, right now, now is the time to build. Yes. I've set everything at rest. Yes, yes. I've, I've destroyed everything. I've mm -hmm. settled everything. I've surrounded your borders. I'm with you. Now is the time to build. You can build now. In a time of rest, because that's yeah. always like the threat. Like you can't you build can't, things yeah. if people are constantly attacking right. you. Your warriors are your craftsmen. Which in this particular one, the four horses always mean north, south, east, west. The whole world has been patrolled and safe. And then there's four craftsmen. Yeah, like so these well, iron works. Yes. So they have. He sees four horns, which uh, kind of similar. We've come across four horns in Daniel. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, it just represents world powers that yes. are threatened, God's people. But in this vision, the four horns are destroyed by four craftsmen. So again, the idea is uh, you're, the threat that's been against you has been annihilated, and now you get to build. Right. You get to create new things. So much more to say, but let me go on to chapter 2. There's a vision of a man with a measuring line. Typically... The measuring line will be to kind of lay out the borders of your city. Yeah, you start to make plans, and again, it's now is the time to build. But what happens with this? What happens with this guy? Do you remember? Um, he just goes around and measures everything, and the Lord says, uh, "I know you don't have walls. There's you have a lot of people, and there's a lot of enemies around you. But I will be a wall of fire around yes. you. I will protect you. You." Um, if anyone touches you, it's like they're touching the apple of my eye, and I will destroy them. I mean, and, and actually, he's like, doesn't even need the measuring because the whole world is going to be the glory, and I'm protecting you. Yes. Like, there's a, so this right here is a telling the people, look, this is a world kingdom. This is a kingdom that's going to start small and spread like a little mustard seed. Mm -hmm. And if anyone messes with you, you're the apple of my eye. It's yeah. a term of affection. So, again, here we go. Then in it's chapter... time to build. Chapter 3 and 4, he ordains the high priest and the governor of Jerusalem. So, 
in chapter 3, we get the ordination of Joshua, Mm -hmm. which uh, chapter 3, spoiler alert, is uh, basically what Jude is talking about. We'll come back to chapter 3, but the beauty of chapter 3 is it does, so he sets up the whole world's under control, that Jerusalem's going to pale in comparison to what I have for you in the future, even even though it looks bad now. And Mm -hmm. now we get to... Remember the Joshua he's talking about here is the Joshua who's the high priest at the time. Yes. And he's going to mention next chapter two is the Zerubbabel is the governor. So God is, uh, so Zechariah is setting up in these two chapters, the, the uh, religious mm-hmm. setup is going to be taken care of and the political yes. setup of my people is going to be taken care of. And they've both been ordained by God. Both ordained. And here's the most beautiful section. I mean, I think I have to, I think I just have to, I don't know if I have to read one through seven if we have time. But no, I'll just tell you. Basically, Joshua is brought before God, and Satan, yes. which means the accuser, the, the opposer, is there ready to say, your high priest is a mess, and mm-hmm. he represents all your people. Yes. God says, and this Lord, one, rebuke you. Lord, yeah. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. And, yes. Which, and, and then he Jesus, says, yeah. uh, Joshua is a brand that's been plucked out of the fire. Yeah, read it. He has... He's been clothed in filthy garments, but the garments are removed and are replaced with pure vestments and a clean turban. So he says, I mean, actually, behold, I have taken your iniquity Iniquity away away. from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments, and then let them put a clean turban on. And the angel of the Lord is standing by. So the picture is the exact picture of what Jesus does for us, like as our high priest. And so the promise to the people of God here, the, the immediate promise is I'm reordaining the high priests mm-hmm. and the, the people who represent me because they've been so corrupt, but I'm sending you a Joshua, which is Jesus. Like, yeah. literally, the guy's name is Joshua. It's great. Yes. Joshua and Jesus are like the same name. And we're coming back, though. So a greater Joshua we, steps up. We'll come back in Jude mm-hmm. because Jude is like straight up quoting this. Yes. So that line is going to be taken care of because the question would be, well... The question underneath all this is, are we just going to get destroyed again? Yeah. Like, and are, are we just doing this to, because we have the same problems that haven't been dealt with. And so God, Zechariah's prophecy is comfort. He's saying, I'm going to take care of every hurdle and every uh, result of sin. So your priesthood's a mess. Don't yes. worry. I will cleanse your priesthood. I will. Yes. Your kings and your governing is a mess. Let me take care of that. And this is the golden lampstand. Yeah, so this is this is another a vision that he has, and he has like a vision of uh, a menorah, basically. If yeah, if you know what that is, of the seven lamps, and in this vision though, there's a bowl that is feeding oil to the menorah, and the bowl is being fed oil by two olive trees. So, so the idea is this is a lampstand that will never run out of oil. And there's two branches from the olive trees that are pouring constant oil into this lampstand that can burn forever in front of God. And uh, before the angel gets into the vision of what it is, he sets up and ordains uh, Zerubbabel as, like, he is the leader, the Spirit of the Lord is with him, and he will, even though he looks meek and humble, he will... uh, level all obstacles that are in front of him. And here's the beauty. It's since it's going to be filled by oil, so the kings previously couldn't maintain the light yes. of being God's people. Right. 
And now he says, like, the oil is never going to run out, essentially. Mm -hmm. But this is how your king's going to rule. Verse uh, 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Yes. And he goes up against a great mountain. Who mm -hmm. are you, O great mountain? Again, mountains are the powers of this world, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about mountains a lot through the story, but this king is going to be different. It's mm -hmm. going to be by the spirit of the Lord, not by might or by power. And, he, and then the idea, too, is that he will finish the temple. Yes. He will set up the top stone. And, and then we get an explanation of what the menorah is, mm -hmm. which we will again see in the first chapter of Revelation yeah. uh, of the golden lampstand. And it says, the seven are the eyes of the Lord that range throughout the whole earth. So again, it's, it's always lit. The Lord is always watching. Mm -hmm. He is always active. We do not have a, a passive God. He's protecting and preventing, I'm telling you. And then he says, and then he asks what the olive trees or the branches are. And he says, these are my anointed ones. And the anointed ones within the whole story have been the priests and the kings. They're always the anointed ones. And then Jesus, eventually, who comes, is the anointed one yeah. who is the prophet, priest, king. Oh, man, so good because you realize quickly in the story, as early as Cain and Abel, we need help. Yes. And so the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the sacraments all build God's holy temple of living stones. Of course, they're speaking of the real physical temple at yeah. this point, but it has ramifications for the living temple, which we will be incorporated into. Okay. Okay. So, Let's go to the flying scroll. Yeah. So when they're, so they're back from exile, they're trying to make a living, and one of the big problems is policing and governing everything. And so two big problems in that is uh, we're dealing with a lot of theft and we're dealing with a lot of um, lying and like false swearing yes. and people using the Lord's name in vain to manipulate the system. And we don't know who to trust or who to think. And, it's, and we're not organized enough to police everything. And so what happens in chapter five is we see a flying scroll. I know. Uh, 30 feet by 15 feet. Oh, that's massive. Yes. That's more than a door poster of Jordan Slimming. With, with writing on both sides. So great. What's on the first side, Adam? Law. Ten Commandments? I don't know. Oh, really? What are you asking me? I'm asking you what's on the first side of the scroll. I was thinking of how big it was. Yes. A curse? God's judgment about theft and lying? I don't know. What? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I thought you were just going to take it away. Oh, I can take it away, but I just wanted to... Take it away, take it away now. Uh, okay, fine. So he asks what the scroll is, and the angel says, it's a curse. Yes. Oh, I can take it from here. Yeah, go for it. Our two biggest problems from the very beginning have been the earth is cursed, mm -hmm. and people have been cursed. Mm -hmm. So the land is cursed, is basically what this is saying. The scroll goes out, and there's... It's God's judgment, all this. And then there's a woman in a bath. I'm going to the woman oh, in a basket. Oh, Th then let me handle this thing. Okay. So... He's he's basically saying, look, I know you're 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 um, overworked, and your government can't handle like keeping up with people who are stealing and people who are lying. And he's like, so the Lord is taking care of that. There is a curse that's flying out, and it will clean out the house of anyone who's stolen anything, and it will clean out the house of anyone who's sworn falsely. And so, don't worry, the Lord will judge even the people that you cannot. Okay. And so the Lord is governing his city. So he's anointed his leaders, and now he's governing the city, 
And then he's going one step further with this next vision. Because he's dealing with our hearts, which our is hearts. our idolatrous hearts. Mm -hmm. And this is where we meet the woman in the basket. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the and women, the woman in Revelation, but the woman in the basket is being flown back. Like he opens up the basket, pushes this woman back down, and it's being flown to the what, land of Shinar. What's the woman? Idolatry. Yes. Okay. It's taking so I, he's taking idolatry out of Jerusalem and putting it back into Babylon because that's where it belongs. Mm -hmm. It does not belong here. Right. So the problem for God's people has always been idolatry. Zechariah has this vision of yes. now a woman in a basket where two other women with wings are taking her away mm -hmm. to Babylon so that now all the things he's setting up, we got to get rid of the idolatrous uh, bent. There right. it is. Right. So there it is. Chapter 6. And then we meet... Four chariots. Four. So you should know the four what? The four corners of the earth. Mm -hmm. So this is some kind of... Now we're back. We've gone all the way down to the heart of Israel. Now we're going back to something a little bigger. Yeah, so when we first saw the horses, they were at rest, and mm -hmm. they were like, everything's good, we can build now. So now we see four chariots uh, with four different colored horses, and they're flying out from two, between two bronze mountains, which uh, to the Israelites, again, the imagery is the two bronze pillars at the entrance of the temple. If you remember those, uh, Boaz, and I forget what the other one was called. Wow. I'm just um, amazed that you remembered the two bronze pillars. Yeah, That's great. so the idea is these four chariots are flying out from the completed new temple. In the completed new land, under yes. the completed new government. Yes. Yeah. And so they are going out and are going to the north and to the south, to the east and the west, and they are going to uh, bring God's... Uh, judgment and peace wherever they go. So again, this idea is now these chariots, these horses are now active and they are now going to be working for the people of God to protect their newly established temple. Perfect. And then we get to the crown and the temple. Mm -hmm. Because like when you have a kingdom, like let's say you're Alexander the Great and you conquer all these lands, just because you conquer them with your military, you do have to send back patrols, make sure it's peaceful and at rest before the king comes through there because he doesn't want to walk into an ambush of a riot or anything. Right. And so the, these horses are sent out. He, there's pronounced a spirit of rest in the north country, and now it's time for the crown and the temple, a type of Christ, the coming branch. Yeah. The branch that uh, comes out of the dead stump, what looked like it was dead. The branch now is Christ, and the crown and the temple are essentially, it's all, it's all ready. So repent and believe. Okay. We will build the temple. So this one was kind of cool. Is, uh, the Lord says, make a crown and place it on the high priest's head. Right. So now you have a priest who is being crowned as a king. And again, it's all a foreshadowing of we are going to have a priest king. Yep. Ultimately, the, the uh, line of Aaron and the line of David are going to become one, and they are going to be found in Jesus. But what kind of king do <clears throat> we always want? We don't want a priest king. We want a warrior king. Because mm -hmm. a priest king comes in on a donkey. A warrior king comes in on a steed. Yes. So we're going to have this... King, he's going to be crowned. There's going to be a temple. Oh, yeah. And then it's also just saying Joshua 
the the current high priest, he is the one who's going to build along with Zerubbabel. They're going to build this temple. And so it ends with, you shall know the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So what are they supposed to obey? Build the temple. Build the temple. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Trust me. I know it's scary, and I know it feels like everything around you is crumbling, but do it. I'm with you. I've protected you. I've set everything up. I've gone ahead of you. I've given you the materials. My blessing's with you. You're the apple of my eye. Do it. Okay. So just to cover chapters Chapters 7 and 8 real quick, the idea is there's people that were still inhabiting the land in Bethel, Mm -hmm. uh, and they are now seeing all this activity in Jerusalem. And so they send uh, emissaries to Jerusalem saying, hey, we've been fasting uh, on, the Lord, on your behalf. And we've been mourning the loss of the Israelites since the exile. For 70 years we've been, fast, we've been doing ritual fasting in every like, yeah, certain time. But- and then the Lord says, why have you been fasting? Right. Like, have you been fasting for me? Or you've been fasting for what you've lost. And so the idea, though, that God gets to in 7 and 8 is, I have always just been about your hearts. What I care about is not your rituals, it's not your sacrifices, it's your hearts. I want your hearts. So turn towards me, turn towards justice and peace and mercy. And these fasts that you've been having, they're going to be turned into feasts. Right. And... The way this finds expression, I want you to care for the fatherless, care for the mm-hmm. widows, care for the sojourner. Why? Not because that earns or makes me happy and manipulates me, but because you see yourself in them. Yeah. You help and love them because God has helped and loved you. You have been the widow. You have been the orphan. You have been the sojourner. And so what I would rather you have is to understand that because you've received it. And now, unlike every other kingdom that conquers people, you're going to turn them into slaves? We don't make slaves. Right. Show them kindness. That's what I want. And, and then, then yeah. there will come a day where people from all over the world will be begging to enter into the presence of the Lord, I to mean, join you in worship of the Lord Almighty. There's an actual line where it says, all the nations will come, and they'll be grabbing onto the corner of your garment, like, let me in. You know where the Lord is. Yes. Tell me where the Lord is. So God promises a great movement of all nations, and that's just the word nations means Gentile, mm-hmm. uh, to God's people to get God's favor. And we see this working itself out in the church. Um, I love the line, it'll turn your fasting into feasting. Yes. Wow, we did it. There's a lot more there, but I think you get the picture. Yes. Just do the thing in front of you. Build it. Just keep building it. I've secured everything around you. Keep walking in God's grace. Our New Testament readings for today are 3 John and Jude. Well, John continues to be John. Yeah, to he, be fully consistent. He's just the dude, man. I mean, yeah, he. this time he's uh, writing a little letter to uh, Gaius. Yes. And Gaius apparently is a faithful leader in the church. He's a church mm-hmm. leader or, or elder or something in a church. But the great thing about Gaius is he recognizes the truth. Yes. So he supports people he doesn't know because they have aligned themselves with the truth. Be anchored in the truth. What is the truth? He firmly establishes this in the Gospel of John and in First and Second John, which is 
a confession and a belief that God came to earth. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, purely uh, divine and human, both. He died and rose again from the dead. That's the truth. Yeah, so he, he commends Gaius for his faithfulness, for supporting um, other ministers that he didn't know personally, but met on the road and recognized, oh man, these people are preaching the same gospel that I'm about. So I will support you and uh, give you what you need. And then John says, also, I've heard about, um, oh no, what's this guy? What's Diotrephes? Yeah. Diotrephes. He's like, also, I've heard about uh, Diotrephes, who is a leader of another church, who is kind of shutting down all uh, interaction and cooperation with the other churches. So here's what you need to know. Even since the beginning of Christianity, there's been false teachers and just bad, egotistical, arrogant leaders who reject the apostolic authority, who reject and want to go out on their own and control, they're control and power hungry. See, the Mm -hmm. whole church gets that rap. You know, people are always like, oh, religion is just about control and power. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, it it can be when you have a guy like Diotrephes, but he's not connected to the truth. And let's be really honest, every other structure or organization you're a part of is under the control of wanting power and authority. So it's like, but that always happens. But how do we break through that and not lose hope under such leaders? We support the truth. Mm -hmm. We are anchored. That's what's so brilliant. It's kind of like America's constitution. It's like no matter the leaders, there's still this constitution. Mm -hmm. They used to call it the paper pope. We have the truth. And so no matter what leaders come and go, we have the truth. And um, so that's what John's saying here. No matter what happens, no one can take the peace of God from you. Yeah. Is there anything else to have mentioned there? I mean, Demetrius is another guy who... Who has a good testimony. Well, I think, so Demetrius is probably the guy he's sending the letter with. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, the guy I'm sending with this letter, he's a good guy too, so take care of him as well. The only uh, the only note I, from John, our third John, I like how he greets everyone. I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Yeah. And he greatly rejects. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. As a parent, I think I like these things. I'm going to say that. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Awesome. All right. All right. Jude. What Jude has been unlocked by Zechariah today. Oh, man. So good. So uh, give me the timing and the place of Jude. So Jude is happening right before, like, it, it seems like. It's circa. Like. Uh, 68. 68. Right before 70. Right before the uh, temple's why, destroyed. There you go. So in AD 70, it's a big number because Mm -hmm. the second, the rebuilt temple, and actually it's a temple being rebuilt again. By Herod. By Herod, gets destroyed. Like Mm -hmm. the world has had enough of this um, by 70. Yeah, so around 68 though is when uh, Paul and Peter are being uh, martyred. Mm -hmm. And so all, like the apostles are starting to drop. And Jude, who traditionally is considered a brother of Jesus is writing, and he basically reiterates Second Peter. Right. And Second Peter uh, was talking and warning about false prophets, and so he kind of gets into this, like, hey, we're starting to see the apostles go out, and other, and they've, they've warned us, and they've told us, hey, there's going to be other people that are going to come around and say well, they know the real truth, and it's been hidden from everyone, and we've been lying, and 
and this is what it's really all about, but don't listen to them. Right. And it's, it's so important because any kind of movement, people, I mean, even you saw it in the earlier church um, with Ananias and Sapphira. Like, they're like, oh, people are giving things to the church. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll lie to the Holy Spirit because we want some power in this movement. Right. And so it's an obvious thing. It's always been happening. That's why Jude is in this line of you got to hold to the truth. Uh, there's false teachers. There's threats everywhere. We need to encourage one another. So. Well, and then he, he does bring the flip side of remember, though, like God will, like I know it doesn't look like it, but God will bring judgment on these false teachers. He yes. brought judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. He brought judgment on people like Balaam, uh, oh. Korah's Rebellion, uh, all these other people who've used their leadership yeah. and tried to abuse it or grab more power. Well, the source of peace is going to be in the gospel of Christ, the truth. So contend for the faith. And he goes, I don't know the order. I forget if he'll get to Michael, the archangel, and there's mm-hmm. mention of all that. But he is like, we can't walk in the way of Cain. Like he goes mm-hmm. back to Cain. We were just reading about that. Was that Second yeah. Peter? Or I forget what that was. That was at John, I think. But you can be of the way of Cain, which was a murderer. Mm-hmm. Like you're a murderer and you kill the righteous. Or Balaam, who tricks the righteous. Mm-hmm. Or Korah, who rebels against the leadership. They're grumblers. They're malcontents. They're self sinful in their desires. They're loudmouth boasters. They show favoritism and they're all about gain. Yes. That just sounds like the economy we right. live in. <laughs> that sounds like how, where we live. Mm-hmm. But we are built up. Um, we build each other up in this truth. We pray in the spirit. We keep in the love of God, and we're waiting. And then, uh, just as like a little asterisk, because sometimes people get kind of confused about Jude, and because he quotes um, two uh, apocryphal books, yes, that are not included in our scriptures. They're not in the canon. Yes, and so the Book of Enoch and the Testimony of Moses, or known as the uh, Last Will and Testament of Moses, and those are actually traditionally thought to be written during, like, right around the time of Jude. Okay. Um, or in between um, the intertestamental periods, between the Old Testament and New Testament. So they were kind of actually more recent writings. And they were popular, and he's probably quoting them. You're right. Uh, because these false teachers are using them. Right. And he's using quotes from them to rebuke them. Right. I'm saying, like, look, your own writings condemn what you're doing. Which, just a s- side note here, it's like you're listening to Fed by Ravens. Mm-hmm. We, this is not, what we say is not the gospel. Right. We're aligning with the gospel, so it's beneficial and edifying to you. Right. So it's okay to quote us or hear from us. That's mm-hmm. the oral tradition. So when he quotes something outside of Scripture, it's not like, well, is it real? Can it be trusted? It's like the works of modern-day authors. Right. But it's not in the canon, so we don't use it as the measuring stick for what is true. Right. It's just, it is, uh, what's that called? It's building up or um, buffeting up. Yeah, um, I don't know. But Buttressing. Sure, there yes. Go. Okay, so. So he's just quoting, and he's just, uh, other works that are contemporary that the people would know, mm-hmm. and saying, like, look, these works would condemn what they're doing as well. And, uh, well, let's get to the, the real alignment here. He yes. nails Zechariah 3 yes. when he says that uh, have mercy on people, mm-hmm. okay, like pray for them. Where is it where he says snatch them out of the fire? He says, so, uh, so he says in 21, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. 
Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Okay, stop. So we just read about this angelic vision Mm -hmm. of the high priest being snatched out of the fire with his filthy garments Garments. on and angels changing his garments, putting on a turban, which we know from earlier readings says, holy Mm -hmm. to the Lord. Yes. And so Jude is quoting Zechariah and saying, look, you, well, snatch people out of the fire the way God has snatched you out of the fire. Right? Yes. Yes. Hating the garment that's stained. Yeah. Don't involve yourselves in their sin. Remain pure. And remember, the only reason you can even do this is not from your own strength. It's because of the love of God, and it's to the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the glory of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. You said amen. I know. So good. Thanks, Jude. All right. Our psalm for today is going to be Psalm 139. Just have to find it. We're right approaching the end here. Psalm 139, uh, verses 11 through 16. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is bright as the day, for the darkness is as light with you, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time. 